What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham, joined as always with Doug, Therese, and Riley. And today, of course, we are talking football. Tonight, we're giving you our first round mock draft, all 32 picks, as well as looking at some of the rule changes that are happening in the NFL. We've also got an exciting announcement regarding some talking football merchandise. And as I'm sure some of you were very concerned, we're finally going to get a bet recap on the bet between myself and Austin on the AFC West champion. <laughs> I, honestly, that's going to be one of my favorite things for us to just continue to track once the season goes. See who gets the most nervous. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, I already know it's going to be Trace because he's going to feel real awkward when he's standing in line again next year with a yellow beard. So I told, I told you I'm not going to be in the line for two years. It's just, it's just a one-time thing, dude. It's a one-time. Just, just one look time. around. How many other people have been there for multiple years? Just three years, actually. That's fair. That's fair. So one of the things that we're definitely um, – super stoked and excited about that we kind of plugged at the very end of our last show but we wanted to also talk about again is we have t-shirts um very soon we'll have whether it's hoodies windbreakers whatever it may be but we definitely have shirts right now and on twitter at talking underscore football if you want to dm us or talk to us at all we can get you set up see what we can do to get a shirt to you i'm also working on a little baby onesie talking football um so once that's done, I'll uh, I'll post that up as well. Oh hell yeah! Start dude. him young. That's right for little miles. <laughs> how much uh, how much are we selling those for, boys? So the t-shirts, um, if you're local and being local, I would say in Utah, we're gonna sell them for fifteen dollars because we won't need to do any sort of shipping. If we are needing to ship it, we are gonna be at twenty-two dollars a piece for a t-shirt. Perfect. And again, you can send us a DM on Twitter um and just let us know your size and your address and dude we'll get you hooked up so for the last what week i've been imagining austin with the blonde goatee <laughs> justin trees with the blonde goatee i can't decide who i think is going to have a better look uh, we know one of them's going to have the blonde goatee by the end of the next uh season Therese, just, austin how are you guys feeling let's just go ahead and clarify that the the bet was for who's going to win the AFC West division between the Chiefs or the Chargers, who are in Los Angeles. I almost called them San Diego. But between the Chiefs and the Chargers, for the last three years, I've heard people over and over say the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. Lo and behold, who comes up and wins the AFC West? Yours truly, the Kansas City Chiefs. Wrong. So (laughs) the bet here, as we were going in a couple episodes ago, Trees mentioned that he had the Chargers winning the AFC West. So, of course, I get a little upset, and I was like, all right, let's do something about it here. This isn't right. You know, you're standing in line. Trees gets gun-ho, says, let's make a bet. So we take it to Twitter. Here comes Matt Miller with a great idea of uh, shaving the beards blonde. I didn't think it was as bad as what Mello had, which was shaving the eyebrows, because I feel like I'd be a lot more comfortable walking around <laughs> with a blonde beard if I were to lose than being a big guy with a beard thinning hair and no eyebrows so we'll definitely <laughs> stick with the with the blonde beard here and that's going to be the bet on who wins the afc west between the chiefs or the chargers and i want to clarify something else if someone gets hurt on the chiefs or the chargers and it ruins that option for them to win the bet's off right are we in agreement on that 
So, I mean, I, I believe that we just need to, like, specify which players that is, right? Because obviously there's going to be injuries. So we're saying if the quarterbacks are out and what? If Tyreek Hill or Keenan Allen are out? Well, let's not talk about Tyreek Hill right now because he might be out anyways, depending on that situation. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to That's laugh true. at it, but we don't we don't know that situation, so I don't want to kind of get into that anyways. But, yeah, uh, playmakers on both sides of the ball that ultimately changed the outcome of how the season would come if that player was still able to be playing. Okay, deal. And we keep saying beard. We're talking mustache, right? Because we're, we're going off of the A-B style. Hey, if we want to – okay, that's fair. Right, because, like, the bet is – The other – how about the, the other chooses? The other chooses like, the variation. Okay, done. Do we want to clarify that now, or do we want to wait till the end of the season to see if we see anyone else come out with some crazy yellow blonde beard or mustache type style? I mean, I I think we're respectable respectable gentlemen. Like, let's just go with, hey, we know we know what the bet is, and like we can specify everything when the time comes. So it, it's the beard or the mustache. It's some sort of combination of it. All right. Okay. So deal. I love this so much. <laughs> Hey, oh, so I'm sorry. One last thing. How long is this going to be? Like, how long are you going to look stupid, I guess, is my main question. Oh, that's a really good point. That's, I haven't even thought of that myself. <laughs> um, so how about you have to do it through the whole postseason? The entire postseason? Until yep. that team loses in the postseason. Through the draft. Because through whoever the draft. wins the FC West, of course, is in the oh, playoffs, right? Okay. So until that, that team loses in the playoffs, you have to have – that combination yep. of a blonde beard. Got it. So, so it could be one week. It could be four weeks, basically. Yep. Like, okay, done. I like can't that. wait for the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl and you with the blonde beard. <laughs> if that happens, I will fly out to Kansas City and I will watch that Super Bowl with you. With my with my yellow beard. With a selfie as with the uh, blonde beard as the talking football avatar for that week. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Oh damn! Yes, all right, and we'll have to cover all social media profile pictures. Absolutely, okay. that, that that's a given. Perfect. Awesome guys, I like it. I'm excited. First of first of many bets, I think Austin and I are going to be doing this year. It's going to be <laughs> fun. Depending man. on if I win or lose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, honestly, I'm just uh, kind of enjoying watching the show, just seeing who's going to win, who's going to lose. <laughs> so, we had a. Uh, some rule changes announced before we jump into our mock draft. I want to get your guys input. What are you guys thinking of these new rules? Yeah. So um, I'll start out with like the blindside block. I think it's great. It's um to me, it's actually finally a rule that helps the defense out. I mean, like it just seems like every rule is in favor of the offense, which I know it makes sense. Like when people score, like teams, you know, fans get excited. You get more viewers Fantasy football is so relevant. Um, I don't know how many times I got asked the day after the Super Bowl, did you watch that entire Super Bowl? That was so boring. I'm just like, no, that was fucking awesome is what it was. I, I <laughs> love the defensive battle. Um, so for me, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I do like, you know, I feel like it does take away some of like that intimidation factor and like the big hits that, it, you know, people can give each other. But for the safety of the game and the players, I mean, it makes sense. And finally, having something that the defense can actually be happy about on a rule, like that they feel a little bit more protected, because obviously they feel less protected. Like, 
I can only hit a quarterback in like a six inch radius in their stomach and a wide receiver in a two foot radius or two inch radius, right? Like it's just so small now. Finally, they're getting protected. I actually think the same along the same lines also with like the, the health concerns too, that comes with it. Cause I remember seeing like Jarvis Landry blind side block quite a few different uh, D backs. Um, and usually when it would happen, they'd be out for the rest of the game. Uh, Jamie Collins during an interception for some reason, just like, like I think the offensive line was just kind of at a light jog and Jamie Collins just straight up out of nowhere, just waylaid him. So I, I actually am a fan of the rule. Really am. And I'm not going to lie. I all thought this was already <laughs> against the rules for some reason. It, it It is against. So I thought the same thing. So I kind of like looked it back and it was, they just called it like unnecessary roughness. Right. So, but it wasn't like an actual in the rule book. Like it's called the blindside block. Um, but it was already like against the rules, but it just went under the like unnecessary roughness type penalty. Okay, perfect. But, yeah, I do think, like you guys said, I do think it is a good rule. I think it's going to help kind of take away some of those cheap shots that may be thrown in there. You know, the guy, they've been talking smack back and forth all day, and he sees an opportunity to kind of punish a guy for that. So I think it'll kind of take that away and make it more fair opportunities on these hits and keep guys healthy long term. Another rule that I'm sure that Saints fans will uh, appreciate um, but coaches being able to challenge whether or not it's pass interference, um, kind of making it to where the calls can be changed. That rule, I could see some defensive players not being a fan of, and I also could see people being upset because it could slow down the game a little bit with more opportunities to challenge, but it is, coaches still only get two challenges a game, right? Yes. Does this tie into their two challenges, though, or is this something totally different? Because that's a good point that I haven't even thought of. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. So from what I've seen is I'm pretty sure that it's still two challenges for coaches. um, But I'm also interested to see if they do like a booth review where it's like underneath two minutes or it's a game potentially changing play. Kind of like when they review all touchdowns now, it's like, okay, if this pat was this pass interference in the red zone, like is this really gonna change the game? Well, let me ask this: um, when you guys are watching, how often do you think they miss those calls? Like, how how many times are you expecting to see? Oh, this wasn't uh, pass interference. We got to fix this call. Well, well, it, it happens every other play, right? <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's some sort of holding or pass interference. Like, all the time. I mean, Casey Hayward was actually tweeting about this earlier today. Like, he's like, there's holding every play. And I think he even said there's pass interference every other play. Obviously, they're not. it's not going to change that dramatically where they're, you know, reviewing every single play. But um, I do think that this is going to cause some issues where sometimes they review it and sometimes they don't. Un- unless it is an actual coach's challenge, right? So something that we just need to kind of figure out if that's actually the rule or not. And uh, Doug, as what you said, this will go um, similar to other challenges where it's under two minutes that only the booth can review it. My only concern with this, though, is at what point is a questionable PI going to change the outcome of a game? Or, you know, if it's a questionable call that was called and they challenged that it wasn't, I mean, who does the tie go to here? Does it, you know, baseball tie goes to the runner? Is this tie goes to the receiver? Tie goes to the defender? And, like, which situation is this fair 
and drawn out, or does this turn into one of those deals, kind of like the catch rule, where we don't know what a catch is, and now we don't know what pass interference is, when, you know, before it was pretty obvious, if a guy ends up wide open, somehow it's in a flag thrown, there's a possibility it can be offensive pass interference, or if a guy's muffled, you know, it's either defensive holding or defensive pass interference. Does this turn into one of those things where we're sitting here as fans frustrated because we don't know what pass interference is anymore? But I think that's the that's it for the rule changes. Oh, well, wait. The 4th and 15. <laughs> yeah, that got shot down pretty quickly. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, they tried to vote on, rather than an onside kick, you have a 4th and 15 um, scenario where you can try to get that, and if you get it, then you get the ball back. Um, but that got shot down, and so we'll just keep the rules of uh, normal onside kicks. And I think that was a smart decision by them, too, because... You know, it's something that they've done in the AAF, and it can be exciting at times. But the onside kick is definitely its own, its own excitement, its own you know, anxiety for defenders on and players on both sides of the ball. And you know, we got to make sure we do our job here and get the ball. You know, we got to do our job and make sure that we keep the ball, get the ball back, keep ourselves in the game. So I think that was a good decision by them. And then the other rule that they they pushed it back, I think, for another meeting later, closer to the summer. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it was worded or how it works exactly, but the rule for both teams to get an opportunity and overtime for the ball, I think that got pushed back for a later meeting for a later decision. So they yeah, can put more for, time and thought into yeah, it. Yeah, June for the, when they have their coaches meetings in June. Yep. Perfect. So I think, I think that'll be a rule that would be nice to see. And I know a lot of people are only saying, well, this is only being brought up because, you know, Chiefs fans and the Chiefs wanted the ball. But you can say the same thing. If the Chiefs were to get the ball first and they went and scored, how many Patriots fans and how many other people were being okay, well, it had been awesome to see what Tom Brady could have done because they lit up the defense the whole game. So I think it was it's just one of those things where it would have been awesome to see both teams have an opportunity to fight, like just like they did in the second half. Absolutely. So, and all of this, and yet we still can't have a vote on, can we ha- not have a fucking game and end in a tie? This isn't soccer. Oh like, my gosh. Like, can Thank we have, you. If there's one rule, can we just change that? Fucking bothers me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last year, uh, when the Steelers and the Browns tied the freaking season opener for both teams, <laughs> oh my gosh, that I, was the worst. I had left home and I text Treese asking. I didn't want to text you in case they had lost. So I'm like, <laughs> dude, for Doug's sake, tell me what happened. And he goes, they, they tied. Freaking tied. Um. Actually, here's uh, a good question. So. I like I like hearing people's opinions on this rule because it's it seems like it's really 50 50 I have my opinion but I'm not gonna say it so when a player fumbles it into the back of the end zone do you guys believe it should be a touchback or do you not I believe that the ball should go back to the original spot it should not be a touchback Austin see I used to think that and then I heard Chris Sims go on a rant about this and it changed my mind forever the whole point of playing defense is to keep someone out of the end zone like that is your rectangle that you are protecting with your life essentially right like that's the mindset of the game like you do not let anyone in there so the moment that someone goes for the end zone and they lose the ball they lose possession they do something or something causes them to lose the ball and it goes out of the back of the end zone out of the back of the rectangle that the defenders have been you know 100 yards of covering to avoid if that ball gets turned over they they deserve the ball back because they did their job. They do what they're supposed to be doing. So if the offense does something to lose that, 
yes, the defense eternally gets it, essentially gets it back for their team. Austin, I'm in agreement with you. I, I also believe that they should switch possessions. I think the defense did a good job of causing them to fumble, right? They, like, I just feel like you have way too much, like, loosey-goosey, if not. Like, everybody's just going to be, like, reaching for the pylon and, like, not even caring about ball security because they know, like, hey, if this falls into the end zone, it doesn't matter. I'm going to, we'll just get the ball back where we were at. So Exactly. It's just like they're going to be just diving and throwing the ball in hopes that it's maybe on their fingertip long enough for it to be called a touchdown. Yep, like exactly. Blake Griffin jumping so high that he, he throws the ball in the hoop and it looks like a dunk. But. Dunk. Exactly. Yeah. You know, well, that, that's multiple basketball references for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I didn't look at it that way. I still kind of do stand by what I say, but I really do like the point of view of the defense doing their job. Because I mean, anytime you, there's a fumble forced or there's careless uh, ball control, you kind of should get your due diligence or your uh karma to come to you but yeah absolutely all right boys let's get to this uh mock draft our first one at talking football i know that our first episode we kind of did a three round just for our our teams but um this is something i've been really excited to do here um i actually want to do more than just a round one at some point but i think this is a great start so for everyone, this is kind of how we did it. We just went pick by pick, and so it went Austin with a pick, Doug with a pick, Riley with a pick, myself with a pick, and then back around. So kind of like a snake draft in a sense. Austin, you're up with the Cardinals, number one overall pick. Who you got? Um, I'm going to go ahead and follow the trend as um, what I've seen with every other professional scout here do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take – Murray for the Cardinals here. Um, I think it's a pretty obvious pick. Cliff Kingsbury is coming in to a new team, coming in from college. So he wants a guy that's going to be able to run him, run his offense and know the terms and understand what he's trying to do and the mindset of it. And I just don't think that's something Josh Rosen can do. That's not the type of player he is, and it's not the type of game he plays. Did, uh, did you guys see the Patriots, Chargers, and uh... – I was literally just about to say that. that yeah. There's three people that were trying to get him, and somebody's supposedly offered a second-round pick for Rosen. Wouldn't be surprised if it was the Patriots or Giants, to be honest with you. But the Patriots don't, doesn't make sense, right? Because, like, let's say that, like, Brady wants to play for three more years, right? Two or three more years. Like, Rosen's contract is going to be up at that point, right? So, I mean— I guess you get rid of Brady and then you just put Rose into a contract ex- extension. But I don't know. It just feels feels a little strange to me that like you're not going to be using that awesome like value of like a draft picks contract at all. Like you're not going to utilize it. Well, that almost Why makes sense they? for the Patriots. You mean just because then they can just like groom him in that sense? Well, essentially, yeah. Because let's say you know Tom Brady said he wanted to play. For three more Super Bowls, right, in that the against time or whatever Facebook series thing that he had. He said in that to his wife, hey, I want three more Super Bowls. There's already been two. If they make it again, which for the love of God, I hope they do not because I want Kansas City to finally freaking get there. Or the Browns. <clears throat> um, yeah, LOL. Um, back to the <laughs> Patriots here. <laughs> it, I think it is something that they could do because – when you watch that video, I think it's Skip that asks him, was it the Patriots? And the look on his face is just kind of like, a, mm, you guessed it, but I'm not going to tell you because I'll lose my source. 
and stuff doesn't leak from New England. So if the Patriots are going to offer a second round pick, I don't think that's a bad idea because let's say you know you do keep Rosen here till his contract ends. You're going to look at him and be like, hey, you haven't done anything. Like we haven't seen you do anything. Yeah, you look good here in practice, but we're not about to pay you big quarterback money when you've been sitting the bench here behind the goat. So what they can do there then is what the Patriots are known to do, which is not have to pay guys a lot of money and they can build other places and have those, you know, minimal minimal contracts across the board for each position. And then you have a quarterback here that you know can play well, that can run the offense, that understands the offense in and out, has been groomed by Josh McDaniels and under and learned from Tom Brady. And then he slides right in there and you pick right up from where he left off the year before with Brady. And now you just got a kid who's young, healthy, because he hasn't been playing, so he hasn't gotten hurt. He's most likely gotten stronger, and he's smarter. Maybe he's lost his attitude because he's with guys that he's going to respect. So seeing him in New England, I don't think is a bad idea for him or for the Patriots, but for everyone else, the New England Patriots are just going to hold the rein. If they're offering a second-round pick, wouldn't the Cardinals have already just jumped on that? Sounds like they really want to get a first-round back. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, if they're sold on Murray, it's going to go down to like day or two before or week. But I don't think that Rosen will be a Cardinal in the next season. All right. Okay. Good pick, Austin. Um, Doug, you are up next with the San Francisco 49ers. All right. For my pick for the San Francisco 49ers is Nick Bosa. Um I absolutely love Nick Bosa. Uh, I like him more as a prospect, more than his brother. Um, I love his footwork. I love his football IQ, um, his tenacity. Honestly, he's that guy where it's like he doesn't take a single play off. He's working his ass off every chance he gets. And the 49ers need that. Um, I think the 49ers are going to do really good this next year. I think as long as... Good old Garoppolo stays healthy. He uh, he'll be fine. I think Nick Bosa is the perfect pick for them at forty nine or at the second overall pick. All right, cool, great. That's awesome. Um, I totally agree with you. I think Nick Bosa is the number one player in the draft on my board, at least. So getting him at two is great value. Yep. Um, pick number three, the New York Jets, and we have Riley up to tell us who he who he picked. Yeah, so with the third pick, I've got the New York Jets selecting Josh Allen. I think that uh, they're going to have a lot of confidence in some Sam Darnold. Uh, they got Le'Veon Bell, so I think offensively they're feeling pretty good. They want to gauge the trade interest out of this pick, but ultimately I think that they're just going to look at the ta- uh, talent and leadership out of Josh Allen and make him the newest New York Jet. Okay, awesome. Uh, up number at number four is the Oakland Raiders, and I selected that one. Um, I went a little bit different than what you'll see in most mocks. Um, I went with Montez Sweat here. Um, obviously, Quinnen Williams is still on the board, um, which is going to be very hard for them to pass up, but I truly believe that they're looking for that edge player. Um, they got rid of uh, Mac, obviously, and they were dead last in the league in sacks last year with only 13. Um, I think that uh, Gruden did a, you know, he wasn't hiding anything all year saying how we we need to get more pressure. We need to get more pressure. And everybody made jokes about like, oh, <laughs> you had a guy in, in Mac. Like that. 
It's hard um, to find a pass rusher. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find a pass rusher, right? Um, Montez Sweat is a freak athlete. I think the 4-4 speed, he actually ran another 4-4-1 today during his pro day. Um, I think that with just like his three-cone drill and everything, um, I think that it's going to be too hard to pass up that um, that potential. And I think that John Gruden and Mayock are going to really like that, and they're going to take him at number four. There was a report that John Gruden was crying for two, three days after the trade. So Montez Sweat should help erase those tears, right? Do we really believe that he was crying, though, for three days? Absolutely. <laughs> it could have been for a multitude of reasons, Khalil Mack just being one. And it's John Gruden. Time. He's pretty He's uh, pretty extreme. <laughs> he couldn't get his VCR to work for the quarterback uh play diagram stuff but uh, are we talking about him crying he absolutely cried (laughs) (laughs) all right at number five uh the tampa bay buccaneers and austin you had this pick yeah um i was definitely surprised that he was still on the board but you know the way that this falls i don't think it's bad um for either team or either outcome here for quinnan or tampa because quinnan williams here going to tampa at five i think is a great is a great fit for both of them here just due to the fact that Gerald McCoy is getting older. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul, he's getting older. And then they, who did they draft last year in the first round? Vita Vaya. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Vita Vaya. So, yep. Vita, yep, Vita Vaya. Um, so, anywho, they, they drafted him last year in the first round. He gets hurt, doesn't play as much. But I think he still has potential to be able to, to plug up poles and will be good against the run being a bigger defensive tackle. But Quentin Williams here is going to be the opposite of that. He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to get that pass rush from the inside and then allow them to kind of get, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul on the outside to allow him to get some pass rush here because some some focus will be on Williams on the inside. So I think this is a great fit for both of them. Tampa definitely needs a defensive tackle. You know, Williams here for Tampa is going to be a great spot. Awesome. I like it. Um, Williams is number two on my overall board. Um, so getting him at five is a great value there. That's a hell of a deal. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, pick number six is the New York Football Giants, and Doug, you went with that pick. Yeah, I have um uh, taken the punter out of University of Utah. <laughs> Just kidding. If anything, uh, the GM would probably do that. <clears throat> Sorry, Brandon. Uh, the New York Giants for their sixth pick, I have Rashawn Gary. Um, they Traded away Olivier Vernon to the amazing Cleveland Browns. They need some help everywhere, but for this pick, I have them taking Rashawn Gary as an edge rusher. Um, He really does have great athleticism. I like his bend as well as his burst. He's able to get off the line super fast, chase down, whether it's the passer, running back, whoever has the ball in the backfield, he's going to get there. I like this pick a lot. Um, Doug, I was really happy you did this because this kind of shakes out perfectly for what I was able to do for the Giants here at 17, which is kind of what I think will ultimately happen just due to the fact that the Giants are unsure of what quarterback to take here in the first round. So for them to go defense, you know, an edge player here at pick six, and then what ultimately how this affects the rest of the draft until their next pick, I think lines up perfectly for them in the future of their franchise. 
Yep. That 17th pick, even though they did trade away Odell Beckham Jr., that does help them a ton in their strategy in the draft this year. Okay, pick number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And no, I am not the one pick making this pick. It is <laughs> going to be Riley. Who do you got going to Duval? Well, I'm going to do you a favor. You guys just signed Nick Foles to a massive contract. I believe Leonard Fournette's a hell of a running back. So we're going to get a lineman to help open up holes for him and protect Nick Foles. With the seventh pick, the Jaguars are going to take Jawan Taylor, keep him in Florida. All right, so they're going with an offensive tackle, a right, a right tackle, um, not even a left tackle. So, all right, you know, big body there. So I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, that wouldn't be my pick um, if I was in the GM of the Jags, but um, I see I see the reasoning for it. Um, the ideal situation is if Jawan Taylor was their guy, if they were able to drop down, like – in this scenario, right, with Haskins still on the board and Drew Locke still on the board, ideal would be somebody like the Broncos or something going up to seven, Jags dropping down to ten or so, collecting another pick and then getting Taylor. That would be like an ideal situation if uh, right tackle is the direction that they wanted to go. So, all right, good pick there, right? Um, all right, so we got – at number eight, we have the Detroit Lions. So Riley and I kind of just switched spots here. I picked for his team. He picked for mine. Um, I actually liked it. I didn't want to. I actually didn't want to pick the Jags in this mock. So I like that we did it this way. They. I got the Detroit Lions um, going with Devin White, uh, linebacker out of LSU. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be here at pick eight in real life, but. I mean, you got him and you got Davis now. Those two are going to be just studs, right? Like this, in this type of age of football, you need two linebackers that can go like coast to coast, end to end, right? Sideline to sideline. Uh, a lot like how Seahawks have done over the years with Wagner and KJ Wright, how the Jags are doing it with Miles and with Telvin Smith. I just think that's the right way of going about it. So, uh, Riley, what do you think of this pick? I love it. Um, We had Logan on the other day, and he kind of talked about uh, how both these guys are over-pursuing. But if we've got a coach to kind of dial that in, it should be uh, Matt Patricia. And uh, I'm so sick and tired of our secondary getting shredded. If we've got another good uh, linebacker there, uh, I think that'll help. A lot of good offenses in the NFC North, so I'm all for it. Awesome. Great. All right. Pick number nine, the Buffalo Bills. Select. Who do they got, Austin? Yes, and I said this earlier in the week. The Bills' main main motive going into the offseason here and into free agency was we got to get guys to protect Josh Allen, and we need to get him weapons. We need to help him out because he did a lot for us last year on his own. And so now we need to do our part in helping him. So I think where they go here at nine is Jonah Williams. Um, Whether he's going to be playing tackle or guard, I think either is going to be a good fit for them. With adding Mitch Morris, you know, that's going to help the interior line. Potentially grabbing a franchise left tackle if he's able to play tackle or even if he goes into guard. I think that versatility from him will be nice for them. They'll get to protect Allen, and then they'll get to keep keep moving forward with the future of the franchise. All right, I like it. All right, number ten, we got the Denver Broncos. Doug. All right, with the tenth pick, the Broncos take Dwayne Haskins, great pocket passer. Um, 
he can move around the pocket very well. He's not very much of a uh, you know scrambler, you know, taking off for long runs like a Lamar Jackson. Um, I love his arm strength, and I also am very impressed with his IQ of the game. Uh, he had a lot of really skilled, um, hard, complicated passes that he completed and threw at his pro day, which made, one, his receivers that caught it look really good. And at the next level, if you can have a quarterback that can make any receiver he throws to look good, the quarterback's doing something right. Um, and I think he'd be a great fit for the Broncos to kind of, I'm not going to say learn from Joe Flacco because I don't like Joe Flacco, but it will be a great place to be able to see what he shouldn't do and also things he can work on to get better at. That's great. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, with Haskins. I know a lot of people are you know, worried about the one-year starter thing, so if he like, then all of a sudden goes back to the bench, it'll be interesting to see that. All right, cool. So here's the top ten. So just to recap real quick, we've got the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray. we got the 49ers taking Nick Bosa. we got the Jets taking Josh Allen. We had the Raiders taking Montez Sweat. The Buccaneers taking Quinnen Williams. The Giants taking Rashawn Gary. The Jags taking Jawan Taylor. Detroit taking Devin White. Buffalo taking Jonah Williams. And the Broncos taking Dwayne Haskins. That'll put us on to pick number 11 which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Riley, who do you got? So with the 11th overall pick, I was listening to our second episode, and uh, I recall Austin talking about interviewing Drew Locke. And uh, what was it? He flipped his hair and uh, referred to himself as uh, Aaron Rodgers-like. I feel (laughs) like the Bengals have finally moved on from the Marvin Lewis regime, got Zach Taylor in there now. I think they'll fall in love with Drew Locke. They'll say, this kid's got a lot of confidence. We need a new quarterback. Andy Dalton's not going to get a new contract. Let's let's just go ahead and get him now. With the 11th pick, the Bengals take Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri. All right, I like it. I mean, I think we've all been pretty vocal here about like all these different options at quarterback that Bengals could go to kind of get ready for post-Andy Dalton. So I like it. I like that too. Screw right. Andy Dalton. <clears throat> Pick number 12, the Green Bay Packers. They are going to take probably my favorite option for the Jags at seven, actually, and that is tight end TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. This dude is the ultimate tight end prospect. He's a fantastic blocker. He can run. He can catch. He can make plays. I mean, I don't think he's going to – I mean, George Kittle's pretty damn good. So I don't know if he's going to be as good as George Kittle, but, I mean, he's that type of player. And so that's who I I went with with that pick 12. I love that pick. Um, TJ is probably my tight end number one in this draft. Um, Him and his counterpart, no offense, great. But TJ, when you watch him play, it's almost like – football is what he was just born into as a baby. It's like he immediately just attacks, attacks, attacks. Even after the whistle's blown, he's still shoving blo- or shoving defenders to the ground. He is an animal. I I really like TJ. Trace, awesome. quick question for you here. Yeah, um, you just mentioned, you know, you would like to see them take Hawkinson here at seven for the Jags. Yeah. Do you think that seven would be too high for him? And do you think that fits kind of into your logic of uh, what you mentioned earlier, the Broncos maybe switching places with them 
and then then potentially moving back and then taking Hawkinson at a ten. You know, that's still that's still pretty high to me going in the top ten as a tight end. But would you rather? Would you feel more comfortable having him at ten and then instead of seven? Yeah, absolutely. I would feel very comfortable with him at ten, and especially if you can get say a third round pick in return as well, right? Um, I just feel like right tackle. There's still a few in the free agents that like you could get just kind of like tie it over for one more year or uh, get later in the draft. I Nick Foles is just so reliant on tight ends, right? Like look at him in Philadelphia, right? That offense went like through Ertz, right? It was Ertz and then everybody on the outside, even, even when Jeffrey was around, like Ertz was the main guy. I feel like that that's just what Nick Foles needs. And right now the Jags only have O'Shaughnessy as their tight end. And he's more of a blocker. He's a fantastic blocking tight end, but like he's not going to be making big plays down the field or anything. So, um, and obviously they're going to still be run heavy with Fournette. So that's why I wouldn't even say uh, Noah Fant because Noah Fant's just not as good of a blocker. He's, he can still block, right? But definitely uh, a receiving tight end. Yeah, more of a receiving tight end. So I just feel like TJ Hawkinson gives the Jags kind of what they need um, for an, another offensive weapon. And I mean, if you wanted to go, if you're going to go tight end and say round two, why don't you just take the better tight end here in round one and then round two go for an offensive tackle. And the Jags also drafted um, a tight end or sorry, a right tackle last year. And so they need to, they need to see what they can get out of him. He was out all, all of last year. So it'd be interesting to see if like they go with that and just say, let's trust what we drafted last year um, or not. So um, to answer your question, yeah, the, an ideal situation would obviously be trade down, click another pick and still get the tight end. Cause I agree with you top 10 for a tight end is usually just way too high, but I just think that TJ Hawkinson is kind of like a special breed. Awesome. And I'm he- up next here for the Dolphins at pick 13, correct? Correct. Perfect. So I was thinking about this last night I was as I was working on my own mock draft that I'm doing for whole nine sports here. Um, you know, just kind of a shameless plug. But uh, <laughs> this thought just kind of was going through my head and it's still kind of a running th- thought here. So I want to kind of work it out with you guys. Um, let's say Miami here. They're not here at 13. Let's say they trade up to pick five they swap places with the bucks okay and then they gave up another future pick or maybe a second or third whatever they swap places with the bucks and they take a Dwayne haskins do do the giants decide to trade back or do they stay there and just get best player available like you know kind of the instance that we have here where they take a rashawn gary or a montez sweat if he's available and then at 17 they look for a quarterback or let's just say you know do the Dolphins just say, you know what, we're just going to stay here. We'll wait till next year and get hopefully Jake Fromm because they seem to be clearly in a tanking mode, right? Yeah. Actually, that's a very interesting thought to have them move up that much. Um, eight spots and into the top five, you're, you're probably talking about giving up next year's first rounder at that point. Um, so obviously, you're, if you're doing that, you're going after your quarterback. And for the Giants – I think that you go best player available. You just hang tight and just hope that, and really your hope is that someone like Allen or Quinn Williams drops to you. Right. Cause um, obviously Montez sweat is probably the most likely and Montez sweat can kind of take over that uh, Vernon role for him. 
So they would still get their edge rusher to make up for that and then still have pick 17 um, if they wanted to go offense at that point. It's a very interesting thought to think of, like, maybe all of us are just getting played by the Dolphins. Like, we're all like, yeah, see, they're just tanking because they haven't done anything. They're not making any moves, but really they're just waiting and waiting, and then they're going to surprise everybody during the draft. I I like the thought. I do like the thought because there's always those sleeper teams where it's like you don't see them doing much, and at the very last second they kind of just slap you in the face and say, bitches, we know what we're doing. Well, that's exactly what Kansas City did when they got Patrick Mahomes. And they're yes. just like, you know what? We're not going to sit back and wait. We're going to trade up to the top 10, and we're going to grab our guy, and then we're just going to go on with it. Hey, That's Austin. It. What's up? Super quick question. Because I, I, I remember when they were uh, targeting Mahomes, because I just remembered the comparisons to Stafford. Did they make that trade the day of of the draft to trade back up to get him? Um, I or think it was definitely something that they talked about, you know, they had a report had come out that negotiations had started about two or three days before the draft. So the day of, you know, it was just like, hey, you know, we've been talking about this. This is my final offer. Do you accept it or not? They said the bill said yes. Chiefs moved up to grab their guy. Definitely worked out for both ends. You know, the Bills got a heck of a defensive player. And then the Chiefs, of course, get Patrick Mahomes, future MVP of the league, franchise quarterback for the Chiefs. But, so when that trade was announced, you knew that we're, we're taking Mahomes. No, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have any idea. When the, when I, uh, when the 10th pick came in, I was kind of sitting there like, all right, who did the Bills just trade with? And then it was, you know, it comes out, the Kansas City Chiefs have traded for the 10th pick. And I'm sitting here like, well, who the hell are we going to get at 10? You know, like, was it? Because then it was Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. And so it was, you know, which guy are we taking? You know, which one is it? And I thought it was going to be Deshaun Watson, and I didn't want that because I felt like it would just be another Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know Deshaun Watson hasn't turned out to be that, of course. And then Patrick Mahomes eventually turns out to be who he is. But I was definitely I was up in the air with it. I didn't have any idea what they were doing, and I, I was surprised that they moved up that far in advance. Cause I think they had like pick 17, so they had moved up, you know, a good chunk just to get. Or maybe they were pick 21. They were in the 20s. I know that, and they moved up to 10 to get them. Were they 27? No, they weren't 27. Um, sorry, I'm looking at the other draft. So Buffalo ends up picking at 27, but I think they may have traded down again. Um, so I'm not actually sure where they were actually at. Well, you remember the 2007 draft when the Browns traded back up with the Cowboys to get 22. You knew uh, this is going to be Brady Quinn. So I wondered if the Chiefs had their eye on Mahomes um, to that extent. But, yeah, like you say, obviously it's worked out. Um I like Mahomes quite a bit. It's yeah, no, I love Mahomes. He's not even my quarterback, but I love Mahomes. Yeah, he, he he's he's all right. He's, um, he's all right, a talking so... football quarterback by <laughs> extension, um, except for when they play the Chargers for the sake of your guys' facial hair. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so Austin, I'm sorry, maybe I missed it. Did you actually say who you were going to pick at 13? I don't think I did. I got out okay. of the trade talk. Right. I was, yeah. was too concerned about that idea there that I wanted to get out and talk with you guys about. Because, I mean, still going off of that, do you, like, the Giants, they can sit back enough. That'll shake up the draft enough with the Dolphins moving up to five where everyone else is panicking. You know, more teams might trade back to try and figure out what's going on. And then eventually, you know, Daniel Jones lands there at 17 for the, the Giants, and they end up winning the draft, you know, surprisingly, kind of like what we thought with the 49ers did a couple years ago. But, anywho, here we go. If, sorry, I'm sorry, Austin, I'm going to cut you off there. 
So if that happens, say they go to they go up to five and they take Haskins, and let's say the Giants just say let's just take best defensive player available, I will then say that I think that actually no, now that I'm looking at it, nobody else is really more. It would be then interesting to see if Haskins goes five, do the Broncos start to panic and then force them to trade up to make sure they get Drew Locke if they really want Locke like it's reported. Exactly. Exactly. That could really shake everything up, make it a draft day type situation. Exactly. Yeah. And then where does, you know, then you're sitting here thinking, well, where does Devin White go? How far does he sink? Because That's what I was just about to say. I mean, then you're talking, yeah, you're talking like the the Devin Whites, the Brian Burns, the TJ Hawkinsons, um, who else? Um, even DK Metcalf, right? Like all of a sudden these guys that are always projected to be in the top 10, like they just keep falling and falling just because of one team trading up that, that much. Exactly. And that goes with Quinnen Williams, Rashawn Gary, Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor. I mean, all those guys, it just seems like they keep falling and falling and falling. And that's still plenty of talent in the first round. That is all of a sudden just a huge mix of players going in different places that we haven't been thinking of yet. Yeah, I remember episode one, you you asked me, what would happen if Quinn and Williams fell to the Jags at seven? And I was like, Austin, you're you're crazy. You're crazy. That's not going to happen. But in this type <laughs> I don't of scenario, know. In this type of scenario, it easily could happen, actually. Um, And God, I'd love that. That'd be awesome. I say some crazy shit, but sometimes it happens. And when Every it does, once in a while. Every once maybe in a while. someone should have listened. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. You heard it here. Talking football first. Here. That's right. That's right. You heard it here first. So let me let me get back on track here. I'm sorry. I went on a tangent there. So pick 13 for the Dolphins. I have them actually taking Ed Oliver in this draft with no trades. I think that's eventually a good fit for the Dolphins. You know, they, they need help in plenty of places. There's several holes on that team on both sides of the ball. But Ed Oliver here at least fills one of those, and they're able to move forward with their tanking season. I like it. I like it as well. All right. Uh, with number pick number 14, the Atlanta Falcons. Doug, who you got? I have the Atlanta Falcons taking Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, I think he's a very dangerous interior rusher. Really good at firing the, to gaps to get a rusher. I think he'll be a valuable, whether it's a three-tech nose tackle, um, whatever they decide to run. I think that he'll be very valuable to them. They're... Pass rush, run block, everything for the Falcons last year just wasn't up to what it should have been. Um, and barring character concerns, I think Jeffrey Simmons is an amazing talent. And if it wasn't for the concerns of what he's done in his past, I do think he would get taken in the top 10. Um, taking him at 14 is actually kind of kind of soon, but I think the Falcons, though, they need him. Yeah, so questions on this, right? So, torn ACL, probably not helping you out this year. No. Um, and obviously the Falcons got hit by more injuries than, like, almost anybody last year. Their defense was just crushed. It was it was ridiculous. And I still think that their defense is good. But let's just say maybe some of them are older. They're not as good. Falcons go on. Let's say they don't make the playoffs. They have a really hard division. So now you're talking two years in a row, no playoffs. Um, the year, the last time they made the playoffs, one and done against the Eagles. And then the year before that, obviously, Super Bowl. Sorry, any Atlanta fans? We won't talk about it. So, like, 
do people start getting impatient with Dan Quinn all of a sudden? Like two years, back-to-back years, no playoffs. It's been almost four years since the Super Bowl loss. Um, do these guys, and I think that the, the GM has enough like leeway to like take this, but does a head coach, like what, what does a head coach think? Like you're, you're, we have a top 15 pick and you're giving me someone that can't help me this year. My, I do have a question though, real quick before answering that. How does everybody feel about Matt Ryan? He's good. I mean, he, he is what he is. I'm, he obviously had a great year the other year, but Matt Ryan is like the ultimate for me. Like when I always think of quarterbacks, I'm like, okay, take their best year of their career, throw it out their window, take their worst career, throw it out the window, take everything else and kind of average it out. And that's what you have. Like that's your quarterback. Like that that's kind of, that's kind of the way that I look at like vets in, in this sense. And so, I mean, and if you're looking at that, he's what QB 10 to 12 in the, in the NFL. I mean, starting caliber, really good getting paid a shit ton of money that I wouldn't be paying him. But I also understand what he did come off of. Like you have to pay the guy. It's kind of like with the Raiders. Like I truly believe they had to pay car what they did at that time because of what he was doing. Yeah. See, for me at this pick, it was either a offensive lineman or a per somebody that can benefit their defense. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, I feel like maybe towards whether it's a few games in later into the season, he will be able to help them. Um, this year, though, in regards to Matt Ryan, me, I think he's average. Because um, I, I do really like how you say take their best throw to the side, take their worst, throw it to the side, average everything else out. Um, in terms of leadership and playing, I'm slowly losing faith in Matt Ryan, and I think that they need to build on their defense. Um, again, Jeffrey Simmons, barring injury, um, behavior things, I think he is a stellar player and can help the Falcons, especially with an aging line injuries happening um i don't trust them with drafting anywhere else other than say a offensive lineman or a defensive tackle and jeffrey simmons is the one that i think would best benefit them i like it um to kind of go off the uh the matt ryan talk there i think he's just a more successful alex smith or andy dalton type player been to the playoffs he's won multiple times and then been to a Super Bowl. And he's been blessed with with weapons all over the place at wide receiver with Julio, tied in with Tony Gonzalez, a running back, you know, running back, running backs. One of those quarterbacks that reminds me of an Alex Smith, but he's just been put in a better situation and more consistency of talent around him. Yeah, I like that. All this talk has made me think like one of these episodes we need to like do like a top ten at each position and all of and have us do that. Um, yes. I think that we'd have like a lot of different opinions, which I'd like. All right, cool. Let's let's move forward. Uh, at pick fifteen, we have the Washington Redskins. Riley, who you got? So here with this pick, we're gonna go with the uh, combine workout warrior, DK Metcalf. Uh, when I looked into it, I realized. Uh, DK actually was very complimentary of Jay Gruden at the Combine. It was his best interview, called Jay Gruden a perfectionist. 
um, how many times do guys put up the numbers that DK did in the uh, at the combine, and you can get him in the middle of the first round? Darius guys is coming back. Dotson hasn't put up the numbers. In fact, last year the Redskins didn't have a receiver with more than two touchdowns or 45 receptions. So I think they look at DK. Think he looked good in our uh, colors and make him the 15th pick. Awesome. Yeah, get a weapon for uh, whoever their quarterback's going to be next year, right? Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, first, like, real offensive playmaker. Not going until pick 15. You don't see that very often. All right. Pick number 16, the Carolina Panthers. And I'm the one that's up here. And I'm going to take who I personally think is edge number two in this draft. And that is going to be Brian Burns, defensive end out of Florida State. You have Brian Burns as your second pass rusher? Yeah. So let's hear your top three then. Uh, out of edge? Yeah. Bosa, Bosa, Burns, Allen, Sweat. That's my top four. I like it. I haven't heard that before, but I like it. So I, and the biggest thing is like Brian Burns. Like I actually, my main concern, which I think is a lot of people's concern, is kind of like how he, how he was a little bit smaller. But like him putting on the weight for the combine – and showing that he could still keep all that athleticism, like, that just, like, it was like, okay, that was my only concern with him, really, and he just proved me wrong on it. So what what's stopping me from having him at number two? Um, and honestly, Montez Sweat is pretty close to passing Josh Allen. I actually want to do a little bit more watching on both of them. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised by the end if I have Sweat number three and Josh Allen number four. Um, those two are very close to me. I... With Josh Allen, for me at least, and again, I need to watch more to like see if I'm really like true to like what I'm thinking here. But like, I kind of feel like Josh Allen's just a guy that would do just so much better in the three four and not not as well in the four three. Um, hmm. Just my opinion. Again, I need to watch a little bit more, but that's kind of what I was thinking there. So that's my take. I uh, like it. I like a, it a lot. I think it's a difference. you want to. Uh, hmm. Go ahead and get that published and get it out there. Whether yeah. you take heat about it or not on Twitter, I would definitely put it in your notes, give your top rankings, and then slap it on Twitter and be like, hey, this is what I think. And then when yeah. this shit, you know, <laughs> happens, you can be like, heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's 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 on the podcast now to, at the very least. But, yeah, I like it. I, I should put this up. Pick number 17, the Cleveland Brant. Oh, wait. Sorry, this is crossed out. Sorry, not the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the New York football giants again. And Austin, you are up. Yes, and this is the perfect scenario for the Giants, this mock draft that we've done here. I would love to see this in some shape or form take place, you know, in the actual draft. But I have them going with Daniel Jones here at pick 17. Um, I watched an interview yesterday with Daniel Jones and Daniel Jeremiah. Um, and they're sitting there talking, and then, you know, Daniel Jones kind of mentions – his relationship that he's built with the Mannings and with Eli Manning and kind of getting to be a men, you know, look up to them and have them as his mentors and having discussions with them and, you know, sharing ideas and techniques and all this stuff. So I think him landing in New York is something that the Giants are kind of hoping for. So I think they are kind of hoping that someone will trade up in front of them or they are almost able to trade back, get extra picks, to, you know, just to load up this draft and be able to grab a Daniel Jones here at 17 and let him, sit a year to figure out what the hell is going on with Eli. Is he retiring next year, the year after? 
the Giants are just going to do the Giants, whatever they're doing. But here with Daniel Jones at pick 17, I think it's a dream scenario for them. I like it, man. Uh, get your quarterback, and you still get your your top ten pick that where you don't have to use it on somebody that's going to sit behind Eli. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I really am. All right, pick number eighteen, the Minnesota Vikings. Doug, I have the Minnesota Vikings at eighteen, taking Cody Ford. I love his footwork. Very quick feet. Very athletic. Um, he doesn't have any issues, mostly with like knee bend when trying to stop a, a rusher or being able to have a strong anchor to be able to mirror the rusher as he comes in. Um, I think he would be amazing and something that the, uh, the the Vikings need to protect their golden boy, their wonderful quarterback. So, Cody Ford. Minnesota Vikings. So, yeah, they need to protect Kirk Cousins. So, I agree with you. I like the pick. Uh, any other feedback from you guys? I think I like that's a good pick, especially here at 18. Cool. All right. Pick number 19. We have the Tennessee Titans. Riley. With the 19th pick, the Titans are going to take Devin Bush, linebacker. Uh, they got a few needs, but I've seen Devin Bush in the top 10, 15 for the last few months. Get him here at 19. Uh, pair him with Rashawn Evans. Wesley Woodyard's 33 this year, so uh, kind of like what the Lions are doing. Get a couple of young, good linebackers. Titans going with Devin Bush. All right, awesome. Pick number 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I went a little bit different than what you'll see in most mock drafts here as well, and I went with Jonathan Abram, uh, safety out of Mississippi State. Uh, I think that the defense just wants a little bit more of a thumper and kind of get back to the old uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive mentality, and I think that this guy will bring that to him. Okay, let's go through picks through 11 through 20. So we have the Bengals taking Drew Locke. We have the Packers taking TJ Hawkinson. We have the Dolphins taking Ed Oliver. We have the Falcons taking Jeffrey Simmons. The Redskins taking DK Metcalf. The Panthers taking Brian Burns. The Giants taking Daniel Jones. The Vikings taking Cody Ford. The Titans taking Devin Bush. And the Steelers taking Jonathan Abram. With pick 21, we have the Seattle Seahawks. Austin, who you got? At pick 21, uh, Seattle's on the board here. Um, They lost Earl Thomas in free agency, so that leaves a huge gap for the Seahawks just in general, whether it's in the locker room and on their defense and in the secondary. So I have them taking Taylor Rapp from Washington. I think this is a good pick for them. Um, you know, he's not going to have that coverage or range ability that Earl Thomas had, but he can play in the box. He can cover hard hitter. He's smart, cover the field. So I think this is a great fit for the Browns and a great fit for Taylor Rapp getting to stay in Washington. All right. I like it. Back-to-back safeties there. Pick number 22, the Baltimore Ravens. Who do we got? All right, the Baltimore Ravens with a very dynamic offense. They need somebody for Lamar Jackson to kind of just heave the ball to. Uh, And I have them taking A.J. Brown. Uh, Finally, a receiver other than D.K. Metcalf. Uh, Personally, for me, A.J. Brown is better than D.K., especially with fundamentals. Um, He's very fast. He's athletic, uh, very refined route runner. Um, he has a great ability to be able to track the ball, to be able to uh, find or to generate separation. And with Lamar Jackson, 
he's going to be running around to Lamar Jackson. Um, with him kind of moving around the pocket so much, trying to uh, extend the play as much as possible, uh, he needs gonna, he's going to need somebody that can track the ball as well and kind of be, a, in a way, a Tyree kill. I'm not going to ever say A.J. Brown's like Tyree kill, but they need somebody that can just make a play happen when it seems like everything's about to kind of unfold. All right, I like it. Cool. Pick number 23, we have the Houston Texans. Riley, who you got? So the uh, Texans gave up a league-high 62 sacks last year. Pretty simple pick here. Our guy, Dalton Reisner, out of Kansas State. we got to protect Watson, keep him healthy, keep him off the ground. So Reisner is the pick at 23. Reisner, uh, friend of the show, pretty great guy. I actually really like that pick, too, for the Texans. Absolutely. All right. Pick number 24 on the clock is the Oakland Raiders, and I have them again. Um, with pick number 24 is the Oakland Raiders, and I had them at pick four, so I'll go with their second pick as well. And I'm giving them another offensive weapon, which is Josh Jacobs, the number one RB in, in the class for me. I think that that would benefit Oakland a ton. Um, I mean, Oakland already is going to be offensively a very great threat um josh jacobs is an animal and could benefit oakland a ton yeah and there's just so much unknown with marshawn lynch right and behind that they don't really have a true or so that's kind of what my thinking was there perfect pick number 25 philadelphia eagles austin who do you got i have them taking greedy williams i'm kind of surprised he's still on the board here but with the way you know this is just Kind of falling, you know, he lands in a great spot here for the Eagles. The Eagles were able to keep Ronald Darby after he just decided to take a free vacation to Kansas City and get fed great food and barbecue. The Eagles (laughs) were able to give him a contract right underneath the Kansas City Chiefs, so he was able to go back. So for the Eagles to land Greedy Williams here and solidify their secondary at the corner position, I think helps them tremendously. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, so I was really close to taking him at um, 24. But I was hoping that one of these uh, cornerbacks would fall to 27 for Oakland's next pick. Um, But before we get there, let's go to pick 26, which is the Indianapolis Colts. And Doug, who you got? So for the Colts, um, keeping the tradition alive with a cornerback is Byron Murphy. Um, Murphy is my cornerback number one. I love his awareness. I love the way, whether it's inside, outside, He's able to be a shutdown corner. Um, for a corner, too, he's a pretty good tackler, especially a heavy hitter. Um, he has one, he, if you watch him play, he has really good timing when to make a play on the ball or to try and defend the pass. I think he won't have an issue with pass interference in the next level, and he will generate some insane interception numbers as well as pass breakups. Awesome. Great. So back to back corners there. Uh, at pick 27, Oakland Raiders. I'm not going to take the Raiders for a third time. Riley, you got them this time. Who you got? I'm going to stay uh, along the uh, company line right here, third straight cornerback. I think they would have loved Byron Murphy. Austin, you, uh, based on some of your uh, intel and observations, you're pretty high on Rocky Sin, correct? Yeah, uh, he had a great showing at the Senior Bowl, and he's done nothing but prove his worth and raised his stock since then. So they they get Montez Sweat in this draft, best edge, or debatable, but it's it's up there, obviously. Best running back. 
you got Vontez Burfitt, obviously Antonio Brown coming in. So there's plugging holes on all over the field. Rocky Sin is the pick here at 27. I like that pick. He's a really good corner. Yep. All right, pick number 28, the L.A. Chargers here. This was probably the toughest pick that I had to make during this mock draft. Um, I really wanted to go linebacker here, um, but just knowing the Chargers and knowing what Gus Bradley wants um, from his defense, uh, I think that he would want another defensive lineman. He loves, like, just switching those guys in and out. He did it in, at Seattle. He did it in Jacksonville. He's doing it now here in L.A. So I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins, defensive end out of Clemson. I love Christian Wilkins. That's just one of those guys. I don't care where he goes. I'm going to follow his career, kind of like Dalton Reisner. Like those two guys, I'm just going to follow. In uh, episode one, he was your original pick at 17 for the uh, Cleveland Browns. That's right. I, I I actually was really surprised that his name didn't get called before that, but with all the other weapons and everything that's happening, it did make sense, and he would be a great benefit for the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Austin, you were lucky enough to – your name fell on the Chiefs, so you get to pick <laughs> your own team today. So who do you got your Kansas City Chiefs taken? Yeah, so this was actually a harder pick than I think you guys may realize just because – you know, they're not done here in free agency, not necessarily that they're going to sign anyone else, but they have created over $30 million in cap space that they're still going to do something with. So whether that's trading for another premier, you know, corner or edge rusher here is kind of where I'm thinking that they may go. And I don't think they're going to be here at pick 29, depending on what happens with all the other trades, you know, that we've kind of called out that could possibly happen here and shake everything up. But I do have the Chiefs taking Trayvon Mullen, a corner. Um, I think he'll be a good plug-and-play guy for the Chiefs. I think he'll be able to help, um, you know, Breland and Fuller and then kind of help keep developing that secondary and somewhere he can grow. Now that I say that out loud, I kind of wish I would have gone an edge player here, but I just don't see anyone valuable enough to take here at pick 29 besides maybe, uh, you know, a clean feral. Taking Ferguson here at 29 I think is too high. I think he's going to drop to the second round. So Trayvon Mullen here at pick 29 for the Chiefs and just going to add to that to their cornerback position that they desperately still need help at. Awesome. Love it. All right. Pick number 30, the Packers second first round pick. They got this from the saints in the trade last year. And so pick 30, who do you got Doug? I'm going to keep the Clemson train going. And I'm actually very glad you didn't go um, with Cleveland Farrell at uh, 29 Austin. Cause that's who I have going to the Packers. Uh, I love Cleveland Farrell. Um, I think that given what the Packers were not able to do with defense last year, that they need to apply more pressure, and Cleveland Farrell will be their guy. Really, the entire Clemson line was a terror, and getting anybody from that line on your team is immediately going to make an impact on the pass rush, run, support, anything. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Clint Farrell, so it's actually kind of shocking that he's all the way down at 30. Um, but that's just how it falls sometimes. All right, pick number 31. We are down to the final two teams, the two Super Bowl contenders, um, Super Bowl participants, I should say. Uh, we have the Los Angeles Rams. Riley, who do you got them taking? Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, I have the vision of Todd Gurley sitting on the bench during that game. Uh I think that the Rams 
just for the sake of this mock draft, feel like they're playing with house money a little bit. And they are going to take Miles Sanders to pair him with Todd Gurley, get somebody you can dump the ball off to, share the workload, and just a shiny new toy for uh, Sean McVay and the Rams offense. Miles Sanders is the pick at 31. All right. You made this pick this afternoon. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was thinking, what is this kid smoking? What is going on here? He's got him over Montgomery. But after you explain it like that, this can kind of be one of those picks where you're sitting here, you know what, that's really not a bad idea, especially since Gurley seems to get hurt at the end of the year every season, um, especially the past couple. You know, he's just an awful guy to have in fantasy. Trust me, I know. I've tried several <laughs> times, and it's just not working for me. So Why Miles Sanders deep. here, <laughs> yeah, unless he's in court. Sorry, that's not funny. But uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders here for the Rams at 31 could be similar to what Seattle did last year with Penny, right? It's just one exactly. of those picks where you're sitting there like, why the heck did they do this? But it eventually helps and just bolsters their uh, running game. Well, and we we look at these things like combine numbers, tape, just things that are on the surface. But ultimately, if they decide to take Sanders over a guy like Montgomery, that could be something that's, an, you know, they've taken him to dinner. They feel really comfortable with his character. The vibes are good. I mean, there's, there's options here, but I think that they just – uh, throw a wrench in everything and uh, make Sanders the newest Ram. Yeah, so I was also with you, Austin. Um, my, I think my exact text was the fuck. Like when you picked him, <laughs> it was. Um, so I mean, I'm probably the biggest Miles Sanders fan out of this group, and I mean, I'm just praying that he's there in round three for the Jags. Um, so I like him as a talent um, with Gurley. And I, actually what you said, I'm kind of with Austin, it kind of makes sense now, like more you talk about it. Um, but if, I feel like if they were really looking for a shiny new toy, they would look for a wide receiver with um, the injuries that they've had at, at wide receiver with Cooper Cup and even, even Cooks uh, just with his injury history. I mean, he's been fairly – Fairly clean, but still, like, we'll miss a random game, like concussions. He did it um, with the New England a little bit. Um, but I don't really have that much to say about it anymore. I kind of – you kind of convinced me a little bit. So I'll, That's I'll a great wait. point, but think think of it like this. With McVay, like you say, a shiny new toy. Let's go get a new uh, wide receiver. But if it comes down to a one-game situation right here, it's a Super Bowl – are you? Do you want a more dependable? We can hand this guy the ball or throw him a dump pass. It starts in the backfield, and if you got to get creative with the receivers, throwing little drag routes, just like the Brady-led uh, Patriots did all Super Bowl game. Uh, I think that they could be more likely to find a guy in round five or even an undrafted free agent and design something where we can dump something a safe throw that's going to be more likely to move the chains. Let's go get this really talented back whose character we like. feel like he meshes with Todd Gurley. I think it's just a great one-two combo that, honestly, if it doesn't work out, uh, you know, not a huge, huge loss. But I think that they would look at that and say, you know what, this is probably going to this is probably going to hit. Yeah, but you could also say the same thing about running back, right? They found C.J. Anderson sitting on the couch last year, and then he came in and <laughs> was busting off 200 <laughs> games, right? That's so, true. 
Um, That's a good point. Yeah, but I still get what you're saying. So either way, I'm saying I like the pick more than what I did when you first announced it uh, earlier this afternoon. So kudos. Um, All right. Pick number 32, final pick, the New England Patriots. Um, We all know that they're not picking at 32. We all know they're trading out of this pick. They do it every year, but we're not doing trades. So I'm actually going to say they they take Caleb McGarry, the tackle out of Washington. Uh, They lost Nate Soldier two years ago, and then they lost – Trent Brown this offseason, so they're they're going to need tackle, and I just feel like they're going to be at the point where, hey, let's take another guy to protect our protect our quarterback, and let's just get him to become a Pro Bowler and an All Pro, and we'll just uh, probably let him walk in four years, but like let's just make him the best we can in four years, and uh, see what we can do there. So you like that pick over an Andre Dillard? Um, I personally like Caleb McGarry. Um, over Andre Dillard. Um, I just like, and maybe that's the Pac-12 bias of me watching him multiple times this year and really watching it, watching what he did against what I think was the best defensive, one of the best defensive lines in the country in Utah. And he, he handled everybody pretty well. So um, what, and sorry, what's the guy, what is the tackle's name that was supposed to be Adams, right? Uh, Trey, is it Trey Adams? Um he uh, he went back to school because he was injured, but he was supposed to be like the best tackle in this draft class, and he's also in Washington. Obviously, injuries kind of slowed him down a little bit, but yeah. So I mean, Andre Dillard still a solid pick. Um, I I don't see them being too different, but just personally, I like Caleb McGarry a little bit better. Cool boys. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in on our mock draft. Um, be sure to uh, send us messages on all of the shitty picks that we did. We'd love to, <laughs> we'd love to hear it. Um, Austin, you mentioned that you're coming out with your own mock draft on Whole Nine Sports. When does that come out? Um, I believe it's going to come out Monday morning, so you should be able to view it next Monday. Um, I'll make sure to uh, tweet it, retweet it, and post it everywhere for you guys to see if you're interested in reading about it. Awesome. Absolutely. For sure. Hey, Brandon, um, I know I don't write for you guys or anything yet, but um, I'll, I'll gladly just do a mock draft. So you just let, you just let me know where to send it, and uh, I'll be sure to show everybody how, how much better my mock draft is than Austin's. All right, everyone, that pretty much wraps up for what we have for you guys here today. Um, again, go ahead and be sure to share your opinions and thoughts with us about our mock draft here on where you think we're right or wrong. Um, definitely some crazy takes here and we, we, were, we had a fun time with it and we definitely want to hear what you guys think about it again you can find us on Twitter and Instagram on Twitter you can find us at talking underscore football Instagram we're just talking football if you have any questions for us go ahead and slide in those DMs uh, we'll be sure to respond to you right away and again thank you for listening and that is it for today on talking football